Welcome to the Doe Valley Ministry Podcast, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Here's today's message. This morning we're looking at Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. This is the Great Commission that we are all no doubt aware of. Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the end of the age. This is the Word of God. Following orders. I mentioned last week that one of the most difficult things for the disciples to do was to wait, to see what Jesus was sending them to help them. We, of course, know this was the Holy Spirit. Jesus gave the disciples some other commands, too, and being a soldier of the cross and following orders, is difficult. Go, make disciples, baptize, teach. Those are our Heavenly Father's commanding marching orders. And make no mistake, they are orders, not suggestions. They are for the soldiers of the cross. Now, I admit that our society does not like orders, and the people we often uh, do whatever is necessary to avoid obedience. Fortunately, those men who first heard the Lord's orders did not look for ways to get around them, but did what they were told. And there's some comfort in that. After all, these disciples were not superhuman in their capacity for faithfulness. But, you know, just a few days ago prior to this, when they had seen their master dragged before the court of Pontius Pilate, condemned to death, and crucified outside the walls of Jerusalem on a hill overlooking the town dump, they fell apart in their disappointment. Now, even though Jesus had returned from the grave and they were seeing him in the flesh once again, as the scripture lesson says, but some doubted. Why would that be a comfort? Well, have you ever had doubts about your relationship to Jesus Christ? And have those doubts bothered you? Do those doubts at times make you feel unworthy? But as we read these words, but some doubted. And some realized that some are the sum of the apostles. Some doubted. I find some comfort in that. Even Jesus' most intimate friends had some doubts about what was going on. What made them special was that they did not let their doubts keep them from following orders. And if we can manage that, we are doing as we ought to do. Let's think of those orders those Christian soldiers got that day in Galilee. There was a preface that made clear the chain of command. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's Jesus saying that. It's good to know that if you are about to get some orders to follow, that they come from someone who has the power to give them. 
Jesus made plain that there was no greater power in the entire universe to give orders. Reason enough in itself to make sure that the orders are followed to the letter. Then he says, go therefore. Anytime you see the word therefore in scripture, ask yourself, what is it therefore? In this case, therefore gives the rationale for doing what Jesus is about to say to do. Because I have all authority. Um, the King James Version says power. Because I have overcome your most powerful enemies, sin and death. Because I am in total command and because that news needs to get out. Therefore, here's the plan. There's good reason for the orders he's about to give. Have you ever been given orders for which you could get no reason? I suspect so. I suspect that's happened to all of us. Every one of us at some time were told by our mother or father to do something. We asked why and got the response, because I said so. That's why. Or maybe as parents, maybe we've given that response. But nonetheless, we followed those orders because we had no choice in the matter. The one who gave them had the power to back them up. But we probably did not carry them out with as complete conviction as we might have had we understood why they were being given. As we grew older, others gave us orders, orders that at times are not to be questioned. At least Jesus gave his troops a reason before he told them what their orders were. The first instruction he gave was to go. It's not an unusual order for soldiers. There's a war to be fought, a battle to be joined, and victory is only possible if the troops will get themselves to the front. Every army in history has heard the same orders read to them. Get up and go. It might only be down the street or it might be halfway around the world. But nothing is accomplished by soldiers who are content to remain right where they are. Sad to say, the commitment to go on the part of contemporary Christian soldiers has lied considerably in recent years. There is far less desire for missions than there once was. Evangelism is something that a few revival preachers do, not the task of every one of us. Is it because our orders have changed? No, not at all. To put it into military terms, we have been using, we have stopped following orders. And anyone who knows anything about troops in combat knows that refusing to follow orders is a capital offense. It is a good thing that Christians have a merciful commander. The next thing Jesus said was to make disciples of all nations. In the King James Version of this passage, which uh, many of us grew up with, uh, the rendering is teach all nations. A more literal translation of the Greek would be make learners of all nations. The most important part of this instruction involves helping the world to learn, to learn about Jesus. Going is assumed of a loyal soldier. Baptizing and teaching will be the result of the learning that Christ considers so critical. This is one of the reasons we put an emphasis upon the educational ministry of the church. Yes, we are a worshiping community, but we can only worship properly when we learn who this commanding general of the universe is and what it is he would have us do. Making learners takes more than one hour a week on Sunday morning. 
What about this phrase, all nations? For modern Christians, we have no problem understanding that. It means missionaries are to be sent around the world. But it means something even more striking than that when we consider those men of Galilee who were the first to hear these words. See, to those men who were all Jews, it meant that they were some people whom they would never have considered as likely recipients of the good news of Jesus Christ. They were unclean. They did not keep the Sabbath. They did not obey dietary laws. They worshiped other gods. In the eyes of a good Jew, those other people were scum. And everybody knows that good people do not associate with the scum of the earth, much less try to teach them anything. But now Jesus has said, teach the scum. My gospel is not limited to just the people who are just like you. I recognize no barriers. The good news of victory and liberation is for all. Fortunately, those men of the first century followed the orders. They did take the message to all. And it's a good thing for us because we were some of that scum they would have avoided at all cost unless they had been instructed otherwise. The message to modern Christians is clear. Yes, send missionaries all around the world, but do not forget the ones we might think of as scum right in our own backyard. Jesus died for them as well as for you and me. The next instruction, baptizing. Did that mean Jesus wanted his troops to make sure to wage all their battles near some water so these new learners could undergo some magical rite at the end of their training? Did he mean that learning would not be sufficient without this ritual? No, not at all. If baptism is rightly understood, it is seen as a ceremony of, of initiation into Christ's church. It is symbolic of the beginning of a new relationship that finds its fullest expression in the life of the fellowship. Why would Jesus include this as part of the marching orders for his troops then? Simply because all the learning in the world about what God has done for us in Jesus Christ and what God continues to do through the Holy Spirit only really makes an impact on us within a community. Without the support of other believers, without someone around to help fan the flame that is within us, we soon die down to nothing more than Christian embers. Not much good for anything unless we are pressed. How often has it happened that someone has made a profession of faith, became active in the work of the church, lived a life of positive witness to the power of the gospel, and then, for some reason, ceased to give any evidence of their faith at all? It happens. And it happens when people begin to think that they no longer need the church. If you take coal from a furnace, it will remain hot and glowing for a while, but eventually it will die out. The same thing happens to Christian disciples who are removed from the fellowship of the church. No wonder Jesus gave this instructions to them. Baptize, meaning get them into the church, or they will not be much good as my troops for very long. And what about this final instruction? teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. 
These are standards. Being a follower of Christ should make a difference in the way we live. After all, the same Bible that says believe also says behave. There are standards that we are called to uphold, not to earn our salvation because that would be impossible. No, we live lives that are pleasing to our heavenly commander in gratitude for his rich grace. Notice something here for a moment. The instruction concerning teaching obedience comes after people have been made disciples, after they have made a commitment of faith, after they have become a part of Christ's church. The way Jesus describes it, obedience is a response to something that has already taken place. Soldiers are expected to maintain certain standards, certain discipline. Christian soldiers do it out of love, but they need to be taught what the discipline involves to manage it effectively. And that is why the Lord included it as part of his orders to the troops. Will it require any sacrifice to follow the orders properly? Of course it will. Any soldier knows going into battle that the price for following orders can be terribly high. Just being in the middle zone is just being in the battle zone is dangerous. Countless thousands have found out how high the price could be. Tradition tells us that of those 11 who gathered there on that Galilean hillside, only one ever died a natural death. All the rest were martyred in the course of their following orders. For us in the 20th century America, the sacrifice is rarely that dramatic. It might involve some ridicule or some abuse. It might require the expenditure of time or effort or money. Rarely much more than that, though. But if we realize that of the almost one billion people in the world who call themselves Christian, two-thirds of them live in nations where Christianity is a persecuted faith. We know that sacrifice is still the order of the day. Fortunately, Christian soldiers have one tremendous piece of assurance about our task. We have a promise from the commander. He says, And lo, I am with you always to the close of the age. The abiding presence of a commander-in-chief who has promised he will never leave us nor forsake us because of that, we can follow his marching orders with the full confidence of every bit of support that we need. Let us pray. Lord, help us to go, to make learners, make disciples, bring people into the fellowship of the church, teach the standards of disciplined Christian living to us. And all the while realize that we are not alone, as we carry those orders out. We know you are with us always. Amen.